Hello and welcome to the Light from Light podcast. You're with here with me, Brother Thomas Therese, comma OP, and him, Daniel. No comma, <laughs> no OP. <laughs> At least not yet. <laughs> never. Don't never. worry. Don't start panicking. <laughs> I'm not going to get you in. I've got a joke to tell you. So today we're going to be on, talking then. about uh, vocation, uh, in particular. Dare I say my vocation? You know, that's enough. Like, talking about other people's vocations. Let's talk about me. Um, yeah. As if, as if we um, haven't talked enough as, about as you. If, as if we haven't. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this this episode not only is is Brother Thomas going to talk about himself. I'm also going to talk about him. Uh, my favourite subject of conversation. I've got, a, I've got a bit of a joke to tell you. I, I can't remember if I've told it you before. I might have done. So one of the common jokes that happens to do with religious life you know with nuns and religious sisters and uh, brothers and monks and things are things that show a little bit of sort of friendly fraternal and and uh, sororial sort of ribbing or jokes that we make to and about each other that are usually very quickly transferable anyway you'll see what I mean so a Dominican and a Jesuit were arguing about whose order was the greatest and the Jesuit says, well, of course, we have a fantastic holy founder, St. Ignatius of Loyola. And uh, Dominican says, well, we have, of course, our, our holy father, St. Dominic. And the Jesuit says, well, of course, we have the fantastic way of discernment, uh, of, you know, that you find in Ignatian spirituality. And the Dominican says, oh, yes, well, you know, we have the nine ways of prayer of St. Dominic. And the uh, Summa of St. Thomas Aquinas. And the uh, Jesuit says, well, you know, we have fantastic and great martyrs and saints. And uh, the Dominican says, well, we too have martyrs and, uh, and, and saints. And the Dominican stops the Jesuit and says, but do tell me, why was your order founded? And the, and the Jesuit says, our order was founded to combat the errors of Protestantism. And he says, why? And the Dominican says, ah, well, my order was founded to combat the heresy of Albigensianism. And when was the last time that you met an Albigensian? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, very niche joke. Anyway, I do think, actually, that there are neo-Albigensians around. You probably have to elaborate on what some of those things are, but for another time. I won't promise you an episode on, on Albigensianism because life is too short. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, today, as you said, we're talking about vocation, and I'm sure that raises questions of what does vocation mean. And I think if you go back to the Latin, it helps to vocare. know what this word means. So from the Latin, it means vocare, yeah, which means to call. Uh, it's, you know, where we have words like vocal, if someone says something out loud, they're vocal, they call uh, to the other person. So that's where we get the word uh, vocation, it means calling. I suppose the, the point to start with is that everyone has a calling. There's that great quote from uh, John Henry Newman, isn't there? Do you remember? Yeah, that's right. But let me just say, so the calling, uh, we can understand it when it's like it's in three parts. So we talk about universal calling, a particular calling and a unique calling. That's just one way of, of trying to understand it. So universal calling, everyone is called to holiness, which simply means friendship with Jesus Christ. And it's not just reserved for some, it's reserved for all. You know, all people are called to friendship with Christ. And then a particular calling is how that 
universal calling, that life to holiness, is lived out. It's lived out in a particular way. So through marriage or religious life or priesthood. And we're going to be talking a bit about how Brother Thomas came to say yes to the call into religious life. And then there's also a unique calling. So this is reserved for each individual. So Brother Thomas's calling is different and some sort of definite service, as John Henry Newman says, reserved just for him, which hasn't been committed to another brother. Like a married individual will have a different vocation to another married individual. A unique calling is what we call it. You were going to say the quote from John Henry Newman. Do you know it off by heart? Oh, no. Yeah, I, I can't actually remember it off by heart, but you you pretty much paraphrased it. You paraphrased it very well. Uh, God has given me some definite service to do that he is entrusted to no other. That's something that people very often think about. And in terms of my life, uh, I might not know what the exact working out of that very particular calling is perhaps to the very end of my life, you know, or even or even till the next life. There may be some some definite service that I am called to give that won't always necessarily appear clear. With some people, it is clear. So, for example, Pope Francis has been called to be Pope at a very particular time in the church's history, in a very particular, a very particular definite ministry that he does and exercises in, in a unique way at a, in, a, in a particular time. So some of those very particular callings are very clear. And of course, there are many different types of, of calling. You know, we talk about people being called to be catechists or teachers or preachers. And also, yeah, so there are all sorts of a variety of callings according to service and working in the NHS, for example, working in healthcare, working uh, with the sick. Yeah, so there are many different sort of types of calling, some of which relate to, will relate to your family life. But yeah, I, I mean, you're exactly right. All of these sort of working outs of vocation or all of these particular callings that we have in our own life come under that one umbrella of the universal call to holiness you know john paul ii used to say you're not called to mediocrity you're called to be a saint everybody has that vocation to be a saint and everybody will be given the graces necessary if they choose to accept them to lead and live a holy life and to become great saints in heaven yeah, I think that's a, an interesting point that you said. So about the, the unique calling, the point that we're not called to be like copycats. When you look at the saints, every single saint's life is different. Even when you look at the, the popes, like Pope John Paul II is very different from Pope, uh, Pope, who did I say? John Paul II is very different from Pope Benedict <laughs> <laughs> and is very different from whoever, Pope Pius XII. Pope St. Leo the Great and yeah. Yeah. And they're different because that well, their calling is different because of the times and the situations, mm -hmm. but also because of their character. Uh, just yeah. like you yourself are very different from uh, your brother, St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Or uh, your brother, uh, Father Richard Ellsworth, or you know, whoever it may Wonderful. be. So you have the same particular calling, but a different, unique calling, which I think is, uh, I think, a, a helpful way to begin to understand uh, calling mm. so we're going to be touching on your particular calling your call to re the religious life or religious state i suppose a few questions then first question when when did you first hear uh, that calling the first time that i thought i'd be a dominican or the first time i thought i'd be a priest first time you thought you'd be called to be a priest okay so when i were this was probably when i was about seven so a little bit on my 
background. I don't really come from a particularly religious family. My family are very good people. They try to live a good life and they're kind. They do have spiritual life, at least at least most of them. Um, uh, some of them will talk to their guardian angel, for example. Uh, they'll have uh, a cross on the wall or a picture of an angel or something. Or So th there is a spiritual element there. I don't think that was always there, at least I don't remember it when I was growing up so much. My grandmother was, she was always practicing Catholic, at least as, as far as I remember. I know there was a period of her life when she was put off from going to church by a priest who was very harsh to her after her mother died. So that's always been a reminder and a warning to me to watch how I talk to people. But she did, she did uh, go back to church and things. But it was when I moved back there, it was when I moved back to the Wirral that I asked if I could go to church. And from what I remember, my mum said, no, it's not a place for children. And then well, I asked my nan first and she said, no, it's not a place for children. And then I went back to my mum and she said the same thing. Didn't Jesus say that as well? <laughs> Let the little <laughs> children come unto me, I think is what he said. And yeah, in the in the end, I think my mum was a bit was a bit annoyed because my, my nan had given her the third degree for uh, sending me to send me to the Catholic school, which I don't think I'd started by that stage. And I didn't really know what that had meant, really. But I asked if I could go to church and I did. And I remember having... So this is, I suppose, the first time that I felt called to priesthood in particular was when the I had quite a strange experience, which now maybe I'd call an infused grace or an infused knowledge. Um, that when the priest elevated the host, you know, and he says the words, "This is my body given up for you," and he ele he elevates the host, uh, you know, do this in remembrance of me. I remember having a sort of interior knowing that one day that is what I would do. And I remember at the time, I didn't really want it or not want it. It just felt like that's what I would do in the future. So I didn't I didn't really talk about it. And I remember years as the years went by, and obviously I, I was obviously becoming more religious. Other people at church would say, oh, is he going to become a priest? Is he going to become a priest? And I remember my nan saying to them, no, he's not. He's going to get married and he's going to be very happy. Leave him alone. <laughs> and I think that was because she really wanted the choice to be my own. Yeah, good woman. So that was the first time I felt calling to, yeah, it didn't, that feeling didn't persist all, all, the, all the time. So when was the first time that you sensed a call into religious life then, if, if that kept coming, if, mm. if priests had kept coming back and then waning, yeah. uh, when did it become particular to your religious life? That was in my second year at university. I saw a video of the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist in Ann Arbor in Michigan and they were playing something called the American Bible Challenge and what impressed me about them was that they showed that the Christian gospel isn't just true that the Christian gospel is is joyful and that's really what really catched my imagination and I mean in between when I was seven and when I was at university my second year I must have been about 20 because I stayed back an extra year at school and things but yeah I mean there were many years where I sort of I mean I went through a phase that I call my Jonah phase and my sort of Israel phase. So I had this sort of, you know, the story of Jonah and the whale when yeah, Jonah yeah. tries to flee from the presence of God and God sends a whale to swallow him and spit him up on the shores of Nineveh so that then he would preach a message of repentance to the people of Nineveh. 
then they repent and Jonah's really upset that they repent because now he looks like a false prophet because what he said would come to pass didn't come to pass because he prophesied doom and destruction. Jonah gets really annoyed and says, you like, oh, I knew you'd be soft on them. <laughs> and um, and God says, well, you know, is, isn't that exactly how I should be? You know, shouldn't I, shouldn't I relent if they repent of their sins? A, a lesson for us all in that. So I sort of had this feeling that okay fine if i'm going to become a priest then i'm going to become a priest but you're going to have to send a whale to swallow me and spit me up on the shore so that way i know that it's definitely you and i can't i can't deny that it's you so i know that it's definitely just not me do you think that was born of a lack of trust in god that it would be a good thing to be called to that life it's just that you were only going to do it if it was the only it was the last thing to do <laughs> No, that is exactly the opposite. Actually, I could see that the way of life was a good way of life. I could see that you would help people. I could see how you could grow closer to God. I thought it was a very attractive life. The problem was that I also wanted other things. So this sort of fits into my Israel sort of phase. So Israel asks for a king and they say, you know, that they want to be a nation like other nations. And I just wanted to be, uh, you know, I got to a stage where I thought, well, why can't I be like everybody else? Why can't I just, you know, get married and have a dog and, <laughs> and be, a, be a teacher, as St. Thomas More says to Sir Richard Rich, be a teacher. And Because um, I suppose the point there is those things are good. And those things are good. Yeah. Those things, like, why can't I have an easy life? You know, why is it, why can't I just be like, just like everybody else? And so I suppose I was being a bit petulant and a bit sort of sulky because I always thought, just like Jonah, you know, petulant and sulky. And I always thought that it would happen at some stage. But I thought, well, I'm going to sit here and sulk until you send a whale to swallow me up because I don't see why I can't just be like everybody else. And, you know, in many ways, I am just like everybody else, you know? <laughs> So was a whale sent? Uh, was a whale sent? Not really, no. So what happened in the end was, I suppose, that my desire for the life was sort of transformed when I encountered the Dominicans. So my sort of waiting for the Lord to send a whale stopped, basically, because I became so excited about the prospect of being a Dominican and a Dominican priest. So... Yeah, that actually reminds me of, of something. I was told that in discernment, uh, the, the question often comes up, when will I know my vocation? And there are certain things that obviously stand out. But one of those things is that you feel at home and that other people affirm you in, in that place. You feel like this is what you were made to do. Is, is that how you felt when you came across the Dominicans? Um, I felt both amazed and afraid. I was amazed at how they spoke and I was attracted by everything that they said. There's a video on YouTube. If you if you search on YouTube, uh, Dominican Friars, English Province, you'll find a vocations video. And how they how they spoke about the life was just incredibly attractive to me. And of course, the habit was really beautiful. You know, when I saw the... To uh, wear a cape. Yeah, exactly. We get to wear a cape. When I saw the Franciscans when I was younger... You know, I thought, I don't want to wear brown. I don't like soup. I can see that they're good people, but we're just, we're different. And in a way where I thought, I don't, I wouldn't want to live with these people, even though I can see that they're good people. They talk about poverty all the, all the time and things. All the time. <laughs> they, <laughs> whereas my interest was truth. And I just thought, well, you know, and don't get me wrong. I go on about poverty all the time now. <laughs> But um, truth was really what, what captured my imagination and what was what got me up in the morning. The, the search for truth and to pass on 
that truth. I suppose the, there is difference between the religious orders. I there's something to say. So there's always a particular charism, you would say. Uh, could you explain what that means? Yeah, so you have different charisms depending on what sort of order you're in. So some orders were founded for educational purposes. Some orders were found to be contemplative. So basically to uh, with uh, prayer as their, their primary focus. Some, um, I mean, obviously all, all religious pray. I mean, Dominicans pray five times a day. And we say that we contemplate in order to pass on the fruits of our contemplation. So we think about God and the things of God and things in their relation to God. And then we teach about God and things in their relation to God. There are other orders that also have a strong focus on education, like the Jesuits, for example. Benedictines, they talk about a life of work and prayer, but they're stable, whereas the, the Dominicans move around. The Franciscans do a lot of work with the poor, the missionaries of charity, Mother Teresa's sisters, they do a lot of work with the poorest of the poor. So yeah, there are different sort of charisms or gifts that each order is to the church and each order is to the world. And we all have a different, slightly different flavour and a slightly different spirituality uh, of things, but we're all Catholic. So what I was going to, what I was about to say was, as well as meeting the, the Franciscans, I also met the Jesuits. I mean, I was taught by the Jesuits at university and they impressed me as people. I thought they were fascinating people. But again, I came to a realization quite quickly that I didn't want to live with them. I couldn't live with them. Whereas when I met the Dominicans, that was different. Even though I could tell that they were very different from me in many ways, there was something about them and something about the way of life which I knew was right for me, that I knew that I'd, I'd be okay. And I desired it. Uh, actively. This first sort of came about, as I said, when I saw the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, and they showed that not just that the gospel is true, but that the gospel is joyful. And that was a really big difference personally that I found with the Dominicans that I didn't always see elsewhere and in the secular clergy and things that it's not that that they're particularly unjoyful, but I just found something in the Dominicans that I didn't elsewhere or so something that spoke to me so when you had that call in to uh, the dominicans when you were first attracted to them was it just plain sailing from then until when you joined the dominicans or were there any obstacles any testing moments yeah there were loads yeah there, you know there's been loads you know i've never as i said in one of the other previous podcasts you know i've never needed grace as much as when i became a dominican i mean it's it's not a sacrament, of course, it, it's um, a, a deepening of your baptismal vows or a deepening of living those evangelical councils of poverty, chastity and obedience, which all Christians are called to, but just living them in a radical way. But yeah, you know, there are things that you find difficult. Living in a community as I do with 20 other men has its challenges. Some days you want more time on your own. Other days you want less time on your own. Some days you want to see other uh, people who aren't Dominicans, people from a different context, so you can have (laughs) different sorts of conversations. But you're not always free to do that because, you know, you're under obedience, you have a job to do, a mission to fulfill, you have house jobs and housework to do. And sometimes those things can can be frustrating. Uh, Sometimes the relationships can get tense or, or fraught sometimes, not often, but sometimes. Other things too, you know, if you fall in love, that's going to be a very difficult thing. You know, because there's something there's something that's going to be unfulfilled about that. So that can also be very painful and a very difficult experience um, in in the religious life. Yeah. 
I suppose that you you give up a lot in order to be a, a religious, but you also gain a lot. Uh, I suppose like any vocation, like marriage or like priesthood, you you give up things, uh, but you also say yes to to certain things. So there's a great joy in that. Yes, I suppose one one thing to remember in a vocation is that it's always an invitation. God never imposes this particular vocation on us. He he invites us instead uh, and i know that you've spoken in the past about jesus's three questions is that right from the gospels yeah three three there are three questions actually it, it, you find them in uh, thomas aquinas i think but certainly the first one has parallels in scripture um so if you're sort of discerning your vocation there are three questions really i think uh, i mean there are other questions you can ask too but three questions that i think are, are good to ask what do you want what do you want to do right so i knew when I saw the Dominicans, the thing that scared me about them uh, was that I knew that this is what I wanted. And I knew now why I had stopped um, feeling uh, any sort of excitement to become a, a member of the secular clergy or a parish or the or the local clergy. You know, um, I realized that it was because I wasn't called to that way of life. I was called to be a Dominican and a priest. Um, so I was called to be a priest in a very particular context living with community life and the prayer that we have and it helps the sort of deficiencies that I have and things so I realized that this was really what I wanted to do and everybody who I've spoken to really has said it doesn't surprise me that this is what you're doing with your life now the second question are you free to do it so in the case of being a religious you can't have any dependencies or dependents so, for example, I don't have any children who are dependent on me. I don't have any family members who are dependent on me. I'm not an alcoholic or a drug user. So I don't I'm not dependent on on uh, substances and things. This is something that comes through in every in every vocation. Are you free to do it? So also another question is, is the particular thing that I desire sinful or not? Because, again, it's under that universal call to holiness, which means if it's sinful, then it's going to be thwarting that universal vocation you have to holiness. So then you know you're not called to it if it's sinful. It's just to follow on from from that second point you were saying that is that it, second part of that question is will it make you truly happy? Because in following God, God wants you to be truly happy, not in some superficial way, but truly, truly happy. And I suppose that follows from yeah. is it something good? Is it something holy? It's all tied in as one there. And then that third question is, have I been given the grace to do it? And you only start figuring that out when you start trying to live the way of life. So, you know, I might dream about being a Dominican. I might dream about being a great Dominican saint. But have you been given the grace to be a great Dominican saint? I mean, you have been given the grace to be a saint. But have you been given the grace to be able to live faithfully and flourish in the Dominican way of life or not? And you only start figuring that out when you start trying to incorporate parts of that way of life into your own. And eventually you only start really finding that out when you are living fully that life. Um, yeah. So in, in terms of that last one, have I been given the grace to live this way of life? Uh, you start figuring that out a little bit later. But I would say that, you know, you don't I mean, you might want certainty. That question, how do I know my vocation? You might want certainty, but I don't think you'll ever really get certainty until, for example, in my case, when I made solemn vows. That then is the moment when Christ spoke through his church 
and confirmed me in my vows when I was publicly allowed by the church, the mystical body of Christ, to uh, make my vows before the Lord, before his people. That's when I know for certain that this is my calling until death. In a similar way, when you marry, you know that you're called to marriage for certainty when uh, you exchange vows with your spouse. That's how you know for certain that you are called to that way of life. This is all from Thomas Aquinas, of course. And up until that moment, you'll always have, I think, what Paul Murray, a great Dominican of the Irish province, Paul Murray says, you'll have just enough light to see and just enough darkness to doubt. So I could see that I was called, that I was being drawn into this way of life uh, as a Dominican. And just as when Jesus met the disciples on the road to Emmaus, I found when Dominicans spoke, something came alive within me. You know, I, I it was like when the, when the disciples say, did our hearts not burn within us when they opened the scriptures to us? That's exactly how I felt and still feel from time to time <laughs> and still feel from time to time when I hear Dominicans preach and teach. And when I see Dominicans living a good Dominican life, uh, there's something within me that makes that comes alive and a joy that, that I have that I don't find elsewhere in, in my in my own life. So there's something quite, quite unique about that. Um, but any vocation will always involve an act of faith. So people, you know, how do I know I should marry this particular person? How do I know that this particular religious order is right for me? There will be particular, there will be some signs that you might see, right? So if you're, if you go to a particular religious order and you feel like you're swimming against the tide and you're just miserable and melancholic all the time, that's a bad sign. It's a sign that you're in the wrong place, right? In the, in the similar way, if you're in a relationship with someone and you're just arguing all the time, that's also a bad sign. So there's something about that where you have to make an act of faith. You place your life in the hands of somebody else. I mean, when I made vows, I put my hands in the hands of the provincial and I made my vows. I promised obedience to God our Father, to Blessed Mary, to St. Dominic. And you're literally placing your life in somebody else's hands. In, in a similar way, when you're married, um, you literally are placing your life in somebody else's uh, hands, you know, and that is a great act of trust. It's a great act of faith and any vocation that you have to a particular way of life will involve an act of faith, I think, necessarily. Also on that on that question about have you been given the grace to do it, right? So I might want to be a fantastic singer just like Beyonce Knowles, <laughs> but uh, I don't have the voice of Beyonce, right? So I'm not called to be like Beyonce. You are a good singer, though. Thank you very much. I'm not saying I was fishing, but if the shoe fits. Uh, <laughs> and it, there's a, there is something very sort of natural, a sort of natural fit about these things, but it is also a grace. It's also a gift. And I've got to say that I only started seeing signs of encouragement after I got in touch with the vocations director. So when I first got, when I first saw the the video of the Dominican sisters and then the Dominican friars, and I got quite afraid because I realized how excited I was about the idea that I might be one of them one day, I waited. I was in my second year of university and I thought, well, I've got to test if this comes from God or doesn't come from God. And what I noticed was that I started trying to convince other people that they should become Dominicans. And one of my friends, Alice, said to me, uh, you know, why don't you just do it? And I, I said, I will, I will. 
And as I left the chapel, I bumped into the vocations director of the Dominicans at the time, and I panicked. <laughs> I, he asked me if he could borrow my pen, and I threw the pen at him, and I ran because I literally two seconds earlier told someone that I would get in touch with him, uh, and there he just happened <laughs> to be, just around the corner. Sounds like Jonah. That was a sign, I think, to me, or an encouragement to me, or perhaps God playing a joke on me. Uh, saying, okay, then let's see, you know, let's see if if you really if you're really going to participate with my grace. Yeah, it reminds me of the story of Catherine Drexel, who goes to see the Pope, Pope Leo Thirteenth, and ask for him to send people to care for the poor and deprived. I think the natives of America, and he says to them, "Well, why don't you do it?" <laughs> and I think that's a, a similar thing to what Alice would say to you. Well, why don't you do it? <laughs> why don't you become a Dominican? But yeah, I mean, absolutely, yeah. And in the end, what I did was I waited. I mean, when I graduated, I realized I'd have to get a job. Um, and so I went and I worked for the Diocese of Westminster as in the same position that, that you're in, just in a different place. And even that is quite a, a Dominican move to make. You know, I was handing on the faith to others. Um, and then after being in that position for two years, I realized, okay, I've had this desire now for four years. I should actually do something about it. And I'd always said to people, you know, God uh, does speak to you through your holy and just desires and things. And I realized that this desire was stable. It was a stable desire. And I thought, yeah, I've just got to do something about it. And I realized that whilst I thought that God wasn't going to send me a whale or I wanted God to send me a whale, I realized that uh, actually God had already made the first move. Uh, God had already given me the, that sort of that holy desire, that desire for religious life in the order of preachers. So and, and not only that, there had also been other things that God had put in my way and uh, that had sort of encouraged me down this path, particularly after I got in touch. So it seemed to me anyway that God, it was almost like God was waiting for me to participate in that grace that he had given me. So you can't just sort of sit on it and wait for him to do something. He's already done something, right? He's already done, he's already made the first move. You then have to get in touch with the vocations director. You have to, you have to make that next step. And when you do make that next step, other things then start to fall into place. If this is right for you, not to say you're not going to face obstacles, uh, you know, you, I had to go through seven interviews. I think it was seven interviews. Uh, I had seven references. Uh, maybe it was six interviews or five interviews. You had interviews. to visit religious houses. <laughs> I had uh, seven references I had to get. I have to have a psychological assessment. I also was interviewed before simple vows, interviewed before solemn vows. I'll have examinations. Yeah, I had to visit uh, other other Dominican houses so the community could see me and they could get their opinion about me. There will be things along the way that might discourage you. You know, I certainly had some discouragements when I was going through the thing. You know, some people didn't think that this would be a good move for me. I, I think those people were the minority. And by that stage, I'd already very much decided that this is definitely what I was going to do. But you will get some discouragements uh, along the way. I suppose you also get encouragement. And, but yeah, you do also get encouragements. Just enough that will sustain you and help you to keep going. So every vocation begins with God. It's God's call and he invites us to respond to that. And you mentioned uh, a few things which would be good for discernment. So when we talk about discernment, it's like testing whether this is the right thing to do, come into the right sort of 
decision over this. But are there any tools that you would recommend? Yes, there is. Yeah. The first thing that I'd say is that there's only so much discernment that you can do on your own. So I waited and that was to test whether the desire was stable or not. But after that, I think at the end of the day, you have to submit your judgment and your desire to the church to test your vocation to see whether this is really for you. And this is then when you I mean, you have to get in touch with the vocations director. And I'd say don't leave it forever before you do it. Don't become, you know, a perpetual discerner. Do make that next step and get in touch with a vocations director, either for, for a diocese or a particular religious congregation. Maybe find a good spiritual director who might be able to, to help you. Learn everything you can about the particular religious order that you might be attracted to. So I read anything I could get my hands on that was written by a Dominican. Uh, I watched videos on YouTube. I went to Dominican talks and I tried to get to know as much about them as I could beforehand. But it's really important to remember that you can't do this on your own. You can only do so much of this on your own. And until you've made that decision to actually go in and do it and you've been approved uh, and you've gone through the process until that, it's it's just a fantasy. Right. Uh, you can think about and dream about being, be, being the best Dominican in the world, but until you've done it, you haven't done it. So, it, it, yeah, it's really important that you get in touch with a vocations director, get in touch with uh, someone from the religious order that you're interested in, have a chat about, about religious life what it involves, what the particular charism of, of the particular order is and things. Because not only can you, are you not supposed to do this all on your own, you can't do it all on your own. You have to submit your, your judgment to the authority of the church. And essentially, the order will tell you whether it's a yes or whether your vocation lies elsewhere. When you say you're not supposed to do it on your own, it's a bit like the Christian life. You're not supposed to be on your own. You're not an individual living this life out. You're called to live in a community within your church, within the church family. So that's a, a really important point. Uh, so we're, we're going to finish up there. But I, I hope that this episode has been helpful for anyone. And maybe if there's someone in your life or in your circle of friends who may find this helpful... Uh, discerning what God is calling them to share the podcast with them and subscribe as well on Podbean, Light from Light Podbean. <laughs> and until next time, God bless. God bless.